0: lightning, inspirational, powerfully refining, refining. and unapologetically controversial conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are now is the time to step into your queendom and become the royal empress that you're meant to be one woman at a time conversations with the royal empress now Akela, she's the analytical empress akima she's the empress that will challenge you now straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversations conversations royal with empress. the royal empress
1: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. This is Akila, and joining me is my co host, Hakima. And our special guest co-host today is Jay Brown, a.k.a. Jay Breezy. That's what I call her.
2: Anyway. (laughs) I I like that. I like that, Jay Breezy. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show, Jay Breezy.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So just a little bit, Jay is a studying evangelist, a wife, A mother of four intergenerational children, including one special needs team. She is a creative, a public speaker, a certified mediator, and a lover of all. Jay also happens to be a member of the Beauty Shop LLC, where she is a content creator for a segment called Wholesome. And the shop members along, she guides the shop members along the path of wholeness, knowing that the health of their soul. Mind, will, and emotional is dependent on them choosing to be more than the sum of their experiences. Their soul is constantly seeking a state of balance that only wholeness can create, which is great because that's what our subject is today. It's about wholesome. And it is the idea that we are more than the sum of our parts, experiences, identities, behaviors. Wholeness is a journey that can only be found when we face our brokenness.
3: Mm. That's right. Yes. Ma'am.
1: <laughs> so, ladies, yes, let's ma'am. let's let's talk about this wholeness, wholesome
3: brokenness.
1: What's going on, Jay?
3: Well, you know, you and I uh, were talking the other day about our sister Aisha Curry and her vulnerability on the Red Table Talk. And we weren't so focused on what she was sharing as it related to um, the level or the amount of attention she received, as we were intrigued by the fact that four of these women sitting around this table, educated, um, wealthy, uh, women of means, had expressed that they themselves deal with, have dealt with, have been diagnosed with anxiety. And this was almost kind of, what, skirted over? They kind of floated over that topic and continued their discussion. And um, you raised the issue that in the African-American community, particularly with women, anxiety and depression and mental illness is at an all time high, even though in society, we are doing exceedingly well. Our numbers in college enrollment and college graduation are higher than they've ever been. You know, we are in the workplace. We are in managerial roles. We are CEOs. We are entrepreneurs. For all intents and purposes, we are doing the thing.
2: But <laughs> we,
3: are, we are experiencing mental health at st- in staggering numbers. And it's not being discussed at large. And we know as African-Americans, we already deal with the stigma of mental health. But what is it that's causing women to have this experience at such an alarming rate? And one of the things that I express um, is is at the heart of it is that we teach women to be strong. or we tell women to be strong, but we don't really talk about what strength is. What does it really mean to be strong? And why does being strong require almost for us to be silent and strong? We can have emotions because women are quote unquote emotional, but we're not allowed to have emotions and express and share those emotions. We have to share them at a time and with people when it's most convenient for them, not when we most need to be honest and vulnerable. Poor Aisha got dragged for expressing her vulnerability. That's the only part anybody seemed to notice. And that is a reoccurring theme in our society, particularly in our African-American society. How many of our mothers struggled and worked two and three jobs and went to night school and get meals? And for us, that was strong. But we didn't get to see her hurt. We didn't get to hear about what ailed her and who broke her heart and all of the things that come with that life. And I think that that's why we're experiencing anxiety and depression, because we have to hold our tongue. We have to carry the world on our back and say nothing about what's broken
1: up. I totally agree with you. Because as you were talking about that, I remembered I was having a conversation with someone else about that whole Aisha thing. And they were like, well, she shouldn't have said that publicly. Like, what? She should have kept that to herself. That wasn't the place for it. I'm like, well, that's kind of what the show is.
3: <laughs> and, right, it's a table <laughs> box.
2: Yeah, right
1: so, and but people were uncomfortable with that and i think part of it part of the uh, being uncomfortable with it was that deep down inside other people carried those views and and maybe it was almost a a pulling off that sheet off of them because we know mm-hmm. that other people feel that way that you know that in one mm-hmm. breath you want to say oh well I, you know i don't want men saying this to me i don't want men doing this to me and that's the public persona that you put on but deep down inside when they're not looking or checking for you you start wondering right, if something right. but you don't want anybody to say know that you feel that way because then it then it then mm-hmm. it shoots in the face of all of these other things that we say all of these other you know when we upset with men for quote unquote catcalling or we're upset with men for saying and we can't say that somebody is harassing us if we actually say that we want attention you know but then there's also that part where we have also been in a position where when something does happen to us well at least in the past they would say, oh, well, she wanted it or she wanted that attention. And so it's a fine line,
3: mm.
1: I think, between kind of saying it and what message do I send by saying it? Because look at some of the memes that they've been putting out there about her. I saw one post where somebody put a woman who was at the gas station and her whole butt was out. And they <laughs> <was> saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they put it like Ayesha Curry, you know, whatever. That's not what she said. That's, that's, right, that was right. not the message that was being sent that she's going to do. This is a woman who dresses extremely modestly. Um, mm-hmm. and, and she got dragged for saying that, for being right. modest.
3: Exactly.
1: So we, and as women, I think we, we don't like for other people to pull the covers off of our own brokenness. And so when somebody mm-hmm. is bold enough to say, what their insecurities are. You know, it's like we have to replay in our own minds what our insecurities are that we've been trying to keep hidden and that we're not working on and dealing with because why would you respond in that manner if not?
2: Right.
3: And see, that's the thing, live our lives in an oxymoron. You know, my question to those who said, you know, she shouldn't be saying that and she shouldn't be saying it there. If not there, where? And if not now, when? You know, when do we get to be who we are and be honest about what we experience? And we're better to do it than at at a table with other people who look just like us, who feel just like us, who live just like us. Where else? You know, I mean, our lives, we live a life of oxymoron. How many times have you heard, you know, somebody say, uh, when somebody's giving them advice, well, they can't tell me nothing because they ain't never been through nothing.
0: Yes. And then in the
3: same breath, they turn around and say about somebody else, oh, they can't tell no, tell me nothing. They sitting just like I do. Well, which one do you want? <laughs> like how much wrong is enough for me to be able to give you advice? And just how perfect do I need to be to be able to give you advice? Like you need to tell me where, you know, the scales need to be balanced at before I open my mouth. And it's completely unreasonable. You know, the reality is we don't like the truth. We prefer the level of truth that keeps us comfortable in saying where we are. Yeah. You know, Akilah, you and I have we we share a, a life truth in in our sorority membership. And we know that excuses are tools of the weak and incompetent. And the reality of the matter is if I can't tell you how I feel, whether it's right or wrong, and you be able to receive it, and recognize that there's a difference between an excuse and a reason, then we can't even have a conversation, Like I have to be able to say this is how I feel and this is why I feel that way, and it be powerful enough to empower me as opposed to it being an excuse for me to be stuck somewhere. This was them to not say, you know, I need attention and I feel less than, and so now I'm going to go out in the street with my booty hanging out while I'm at the gas station. That's not what she said. That's a completely different <laughs> thing. You know, and I think that that's part of the problem. Like, we, we will explain behavior, we'll explain dysfunction, and make an excuse for it. But when someone is telling you why they do something, and it's a reason that they're using to empower them, we reject it as if it's an excuse. And every time someone tells you what they're going through and what they're dealing with, it's not an excuse. Sometimes it's a reason that they use it to empower them. We have to be willing to hear people. We have to be willing to hear them. Because the only way we heal the areas of brokenness that we live in, in, in that that place of vulnerability that she was talking about, it is an area of brokenness. And not broken as in, oh, I'm, just, I'm falling apart because nobody wants me but it's an area of brokenness where I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling less than it. There's an area of me that is um, damaged and it may even be a temporary damage, but it's still damaged. And the only way that it can be healed is if I face it, if I confront it, if I speak to it, if I give it voice, and then together we collectively work to heal it. And if I can't give it voice, if I, or if I only have to give a voice when I'm in a room by myself, I'm gonna be hard pressed. If the only voice I can listen to is my own, I need to be able to hear from my sister. Is that, yeah, sis? We go through that. That stuff happens, like for real. And I'm here for you, and we can do this together.
2: You know, I think that the whole issue we talk about wholesomeness. The very people who talk and they broken themselves, and they look to. When they take a person, they always want to break them apart and, and dissect them in little pieces. And, and then they want to analyze them. And it just becomes so, and we make it so uncomfortable for the people who are sharing a bit of themselves. And like you said, not being, that person may want a sisterhood or a brotherhood type answer, but they can't get it because they get so much judgmental answers. People who are trying to dissect them like they are a science projects. When someone shares something of themselves, it's not to be dissected. They're not a frog. And that's the way we treat people. Just because someone is on television or in the public eye does not give us the right to dissect them like a frog. And that's what people think. When they're on TV, when they say what they say in the public, so they, they, they signed up for this. I, re- I heard her even say that, I guess her, and her husband was getting out the car and a woman ran up to him or something, and the woman's response to to her was, you signed up for this. No, she didn't sign up to be disrespected in her face because some woman chasing her man. She No woman signs up for that, but this is how we treat people who are in a public eye where we see as celebrities or family of the celebrities. They signed up for this, so they should be able to take whatever we give them, and that just becomes unfair. hmm and actually, it was worse. The woman ran up to the car and got in it, honey. She yeah.
1: got in her car. <laughs> oh. I would have oh, called yeah. a case.
2: I would have oh. called it. I would have called a case. I just would have called a case that day. <laughs> I'd be oh. like, baby, all that money you got, you have to get a real good lawyer because we gonna need one. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. the way I would have been. That's these women, these people are disrespectful. them to feel that. Oh, you signed up for this. Like, you supposed to take what I give you because you married to him. That's not fair. You are not a hog. This dissecting of one another, Mm affecting of one another. You know,
3: the reality of the matter is you are going to make mistakes. You're a human being. You're going to misspeak. You're going to make bad choices and decisions. You're going to make what you thought in the moment was a good choice only to find out later on that it wasn't a good choice or that Mm -hmm. it wasn't the best possible choice. That's life. So if I minimize you to the sum of every choice that you made that didn't turn out the way that you expected it to, I am not only minimizing who you are, but I'm minimizing who I am. Because I'm not just saying that you are less than or that you are somehow the sum of these choices, but I'm saying that my ability to see you as a whole person is limited to my ability to see these individual pieces. I didn't just minimize you. I minimized myself. Mm. That's, That's deep.
1: <laughs> That's deep. But now, there is another side of this too, outside of mm-hmm. other people. It is our ownership and accountability mm-hmm. for what we do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, like you said, you make the error, you make the mistake, but you own it. And if you can't right. own it yourself, you can't heal from it. And you, then continue to repeat the same cycle. You do the same things over and over again. There's no lesson in this for you. And if you learn nothing, you don't grow. We we don't grow without learning. And so that's a reality as well. So when when you discover something, you can't always put it off on someone else. It's your fault that I'm here. It's your fault that I did this. It's your fault that, no, 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 no there has to be some accountability because if you continue to put off on everybody else the things that, is, the things that are wrong with you or the choices that you've made for yourself, mm-hmm. then you can never be a whole person because you can't accept responsibility for your own actions. And exactly. that I think is an issue that we have too. And so as we try to get on this journey, that journey does start with accountability as well as the vulnerability to acknowledge what your weaknesses are, what your insecurities are, and then to try to fix them. And so even to your point in us, and this show isn't about Aisha, but it was a great example. The mere fact that she actually could acknowledge that, she didn't blame anybody else for it. She took ownership. She took ownership and was unafraid to say it out loud. That's a path to healing.
3: Exactly. And that's the thing that people miss. They miss the the part where after you admit the issue, after you say, you know, this is where I'm hurting or this is where I'm struggling, or this is where the brokenness is, and, and you commit to wanting to be whole, you do have to go back and you have to identify, you know, where it happened, what caused it, but not from a place of place in blame, because that brokenness can be a result of someone else's choices. It can be a result of your own choices, and it can even be a result of nature. It can be a result of your individual humanity. Um, last week, I was talking about the ingredients, and the ingredients for brokenness and wholeness are exactly the same. The only difference between the two is your vision. It's, it's the eye mm. that you put to it. It's how you choose to look at it. Because the way you find your path to wholeness or the way that you to wholeness is not by changing the things that happened in the past because you don't have the ability to do that. It's by looking at how that past affects the present and deciding who you're going to let use it in the future. Are you going to let the part of you that was broken use the things that happened? Or are you going to let the part of you that wants to be whole use, the, use those things um, in the future? And, and that's the only difference. The ingredients are the same. And when I say that, I have to give an example. And my favorite example is whether you're making a roux or a gravy. The, the initial ingredients in a roux and a gravy are exactly the same. You know that a roux holds the ingredients of a casserole or a macaroni and cheese, or whatever you're using um, the roux for. It holds the ingredients together, right? But a gravy is used to cover something, to smother something, right? But the initial ingredients are exactly the same. When you make a roux, you start with an oil, a thickener, and a liquid. When you're making a gravy, you start with an oil, a thickener, and a liquid. All that matters is what you're going to do with it. It doesn't matter what the ingredients are. And it's the same thing with brokenness. You can look at a painful situation that you've experienced. You can look at the choices someone else made, the negative choices that you've made, or your individual humanity, and look at how it affected you and decide to use it for And I know that this is not, you know, a religious-based um, podcast. But, but the Bible says that God will use everything meant for evil for his glory and your good. And you get to decide in your life that you'll do the same, that you will allow those things that have happened to be used for your good because they don't have to hold you back. That's the difference between a reason and an excuse. These things happen, but I am going to. Not these things happen, so no, I cannot. It, it, all that matters is do you use that to decide what you're going to do or do you use it to say what you can't do? Just to see that face, on that, that look on your face. <laughs> what does that look mean, Akilah? Share, share. <laughs> which, which look was
1: that? I'm dropping
2: them bombs. I'm dropping them bombs, that's why. I was sitting here like, I ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> the mic has been dropped. Oh, Boom. Mm. <laughs> Okay, this may not be we're not we're a spiritual podcast. So that was right and exactly what you said. See so it's okay. right on. Okay.
3: <laughs> Tell people all the time, I don't want to go any place I can't take my guy with me. So
2: <laughs> mm, ooh, I love can I use I'm gonna have, I'm gonna use that. I like that. You I'm gonna give you your credit though, sis. <laughs> that's
3: all right. That is all right.
1: You know better. We authentic around here. I you knew who we were inviting on the show.
3: Hey, listen here, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, ma'am. I like, if you, and you if you listen, you, you hear
1: a bunch of uh, 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 uh Bible quotes and Quran verses.
3: <laughs> that's right, that's right. Listen, and don't get me started because I got one for you now. You know,
2: <laughs> Quran says,
3: pray that lot but tie your own camel, sis. Listen, That's right. So, <laughs> That's right. Listen, you know I got them for you. Too. That's right. You know, and, and you said a, a really powerful thing when you were talking about, you know, people being unmasked. The truth is, is I don't want to see you hurt because it reminds you of mine. And we have mm-hmm. a world full of people who run from other people's pain because it mm-hmm. reminds them too much of their own. Mm-hmm. And anything that you're not willing to face, you can't heal. You can't Mm. fix what you won't face. Teach. So I'm looking at my sister Aisha, you know, sharing her pain. And more than her words, I was seeing her eyes. You know. This is a woman who, for all intents and purposes, you know, two kids ago, her eyes were always shining. You know, she always looked like she was blessed and highly favored. She three kids in and she looks stressed. She looked like she need a break. (laughs) You know. And she's sharing her heart and folks dragging her, you know, as opposed to pouring into her. And I'm glad that she had a table to sit at. And I I know this isn't all about her because we want to talk about, you know, mental health in general. But I think that one of the biggest mistakes we make is to completely miss the opportunity to check our own selves, to look in the mirror and go, do I see me in that? Do I see my own self in that pain? And how can I heal me and you, you know, at the same time? How in healing you can I heal me? And in healing me, can I heal you? But we don't do enough of that. We don't do enough checking for ourselves in somebody else's story. And that's not about making it about ourselves. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, you're making it about you. No, it's not about making it about yourself. If what the person has said bristles up against you, if it makes you uncomfortable, if it shocks you, if it causes any type of emotional response, that means that there's an area of brokenness in you that Mm. needs to be evaluated, that needs to be analyzed. And you need to ask yourself, what is causing that? What's at the heart of that? If you've ever broken a glass in the kitchen This is an analogy that I give to the ladies that I work with. If you have a broken glass in the kitchen, right, you know what ends up happening. You sweep up the glass, but you got to wear slippers in the kitchen for like weeks, right? And randomly, here's a, a shard of glass that comes out of nowhere and accidentally sticks you in the foot. One time I broke the glass in the kitchen and I accidentally stepped on a piece of glass in the bathroom. I am like, how did glass get in the bathroom? Because when you sweep up glass with a broom, the glass gets into the bristles of the broom. Uh, my husband works for a disaster restoration company, so he has all kind of equipment in my garage. So the last time my daughter broke a glass, he's like, when are y'all going to learn to stop sweeping glass with a broom? Use the shop vac and suck up the glass. And do it today, come back and do it tomorrow, and then come back and do it the next day. And I guarantee you, there won't be any class. So we did. It. And I sat and I thought about that. And I said, the issue isn't that the glass can't be sucked up from the floor, that the glass can't be removed. The issue is that we were using the wrong tool. When you don't take the time to find out what tools you need to heal those areas of brokenness, you end up spreading. Those broken pieces around, you end up spreading them into relationships that have nothing to do with the place where you were initially broken. You end up Mm. spreading them on the people who had nothing to do with what broke you initially. You end up with brokenness showing up months down the line, Mm. well after the situation that caused you pain is over with. But when we get the tools that we need, when when we have those experiences someone expresses their brokenness and it starts to make you feel some kind of way on the inside and you stop and you say, what is that? That's a shot of glass that went from the kitchen to the bathroom. I need (laughs) to examine that. I need to check and see what's causing that and use the tools that are going to help you to get all the broken pieces up. But we don't do that. We just rather wear slippers in the kitchen for three minutes. (laughs) You know,
2: how does the (laughs) saying go? Every everywhere you go, there you are. So that's right. So if you try to run away from yourself, you're going to end up running into yourself into somebody else. So that's
1: right. Or y'all know how I like my songs.
2: Uh Oh, here you go. Yourself. (laughs) No matter. (laughs) There you are. There you are. <laughs> Who's that, Teddy Pennegrass, oh, and, and 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 the, and the, when he was with Harold Melvin and Blue Notes? <laughs> you can't. Is it? Was that him? Was that the song you, I'm thinking was, from a your son. of? a couple songs with that same. Although
1: uh, it's a house, is in the house song too. But
3: yeah,
2: right, right.
3: But
1: that's real.
2: <laughs> oh
3: right, it's in the house song to say, too. <laughs> My grandmother, she she is. Uh, she is a hoot, but her favorite thing to tell me is listen, it don't matter where you go, you're going to take your brand of crazy with you everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. And, and, you know, I got a little older and I understood what she meant. You can leave all the relationships you want to, you can quit all the jobs you want to, you can transfer from all the foods you want to, but everywhere you go, you're going to take your brand of crazy
2: <laughs> right <laughs> along with you. So you might right. want to
3: address that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and or, or as we always say, the, the the other saying, you're the common denominator. Something keeps happening. Yes, you. it's it's you. Yes,
3: yes,
1: it's you. sis, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but but acceptance. That that's where that accountability and acceptance comes into play. You can't seem to to stay in a healthy relationship. You in and out of relationships. But you blaming it on the person, that the, the people. It's something wrong with them. Well, no, you the one in and out of relationships. Right. So, right. you know, or you can't seem, you keep getting fired from jobs. Well, I don't know what the problem is. Really? <laughs> Who just keeps getting fired? Right. Nobody. Or oh, 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 that saying, or whatever I heard. It wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any at all.
2: No. I hate. Right. I hate
1: that saying. Right. I hate that. No, I hate it. Mm-mm. Not about bad luck. It's what? What? It, what? It, what is it? What energy are you putting out there?
3: Mm-hmm. Stop
1: making excuses. Exactly. What are
3: you putting out into the universe? Yes,
1: that's coming back oh, on you.
2: You putting you. out into the
3: universe. So
2: we Oh, go ahead. We we have to dispel the myth that. I'm grown, so at 18, I don't have to try to grow and develop anymore because now I'm grown. Because we think growth and development is only physical, we don't look mm-hmm. at it. What about the spiritual growth and development? Now mm-hmm. that you're physical, physical adult air quotes. <laughs> now, what? Are, how are you spiritually? Because spiritually, you got a lot of adults, adults walking around. It's like spiritually, you're like a child because you haven't really focused on growth and development spiritually. And this Mm -hmm. will help address our areas of brokenness or feeling anxiety or feeling helpless or hopeless or not worth anything is because we're lacking that spiritual knowledge. And if we have it, then we wouldn't be as broken or we wouldn't be looking at everybody and trying to judge them as being broken. We'll be a community and we'll be trying to help one another because we've already helped ourselves.
1: Yeah, And we only judge other people because we judge ourselves. Quite Mm -hmm. frankly, that's right. Usually, the enemy is between, is is in your head. (laughs) And if the enemy,
3: is
1: (laughs) yeah, there's a there's a proverb that says if there's no enemy within, the enemies without can't harm you. Mm, Yes, I Mm -hmm. love that proverb too. It's true. So, (laughs) so we again, it you know, it just boils down: do you do you want to heal? Some people are, are comfortable in their brokenness. It's an oh, attention yeah. thing sometimes. It's a victim thing. Some people love being victim. Mm. I don't know pity what kind addiction. of. I don't know what <laughs> kind of what you get from being a victim. Pity, I don't
2: pity pity, pity attention and attention validation probably.
3: Well, because it's comfortable because it's a default setting, you know? It's, it's no <laughs> well, different than you, you have your cell phone, right? And if you mm-hmm. do too much to that phone and, and you put too many apps on there and you make too many changes, and, and then you call your cell phone provider and they tell you, okay, we're going to have to give your phone a factory reset. And now the phone is speeding back up and it's, it's operating at full capacity again because you've removed all of this other stuff that's foreign to so and that's how we are spiritually sometimes. Even the things that don't help us and they don't serve us well, they allow us to operate at our maximum capacity because that is the maximum for us. And when we start trying to add on things that require us to extend ourselves beyond our comfort level, we end up just defaulting back to the, things, to the places where we're comfortable. And the places where we're comfortable tells us to do things that do not serve us well. The reality is uh, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, and we were talking about offense. You know, there are people who are used to being offended. They chase and look for offense. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they prefer to be offended. They, they look for <laughs> offense because they're comfortable being offended because it allows them to behave poorly, and behaving poorly gives them a temporary sense of satisfaction.
2: Jay, I don't, don't like how don't you offended me. Way, <laughs> right and I'm they, just kidding but you're right. that way right <laughs> they
3: feel like they don't have control over what's happening around them so you say something to them and it's easier to assume that your intentions are derogatory than to assume that you mean absolutely nothing because they can't allow you to get away with anything because they have control issues but then when you dig deeper you find that When they were children, most likely, there were things that were happening that were outside of their control that hurt them immensely. So now, as adults, they've made up in their minds that they're not going to allow what other people do to hurt them. And they have no idea that their behavior is actually hurting them.
0: Mm. And when they get
3: to a place where they can see that the things that happened before weren't within their control, there was nothing that they can do about it. And the only thing they actually control now. Is how they choose to behave and respond. They can kind of move out of that pattern. But it's amazing to me the amount of things that people purposefully and intentionally allow themselves to attend to in a negative way and allow themselves to have feelings about thoughts that they've told themselves. Like nobody told you to be mad about that. You just decided (laughs) you was going to be mad. And then they interact with people like me. (laughs) Who <laughs> my position is if you're mad, you're gonna stay mad because I can't help you with that. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> if you're mad, you're gonna stay mad because I cannot help you not be mad because I didn't tell you to get mad in the first place.
2: <laughs> but they are gonna put that on you, huh? Mm-mm, no, you, you no. know, I think I think that people tend to. They don't want to leave others, and I've had mm-hmm. several conversations with people, and in in, in in privacy where they wasn't with the the judging crew that they roll with, you know. You know yeah, I wanna want to do this. Them. I want to do that. But you know, when you tell them, you need to change the circle that you're around, and they yeah. they, they, they give you that look like I already figured that you're telling me something I already know. But in the, in that same look is? But I don't want to leave them. There's mm-hmm. this loyalty. To others before we put loyalty to ourselves, and if mm-hmm. if loyalty to our friend, we'll put loyalty to our friends over the loyalty that we need to for our own spiritual development or our own mental health. I had a person tell me they're sitting in a in a, in a circle of drinkers, and they told me I really don't drink, but I just I just ordered me some and I sip on it all night. So I said to myself, well, then why do you do it? You know was the answer. And I just shook my head. I said, you gotta, if your friends can't accept that this is something that you want to do, then they're not your friends. But you know, you have adults with peer pressure issues, and who don't want to leave those with them.
3: And you have so many people who have not been taught, and we have talked about this so many times, Akila. when these things come across Facebook, and the news, and what have you. And I say this, I've said it so many times that my vocal cords probably are tired of (laughs) the daggone (laughs) on the vowels and consonants. People have not been taught to be self-possessed. We are not teaching our children to be self-possessed. And they grow up to be adults who are not self-possessed. It's not even about peer pressure. It's about people not being able to take ownership of who they are, of their thoughts, of their feelings, of their persons, of their choices and decisions. There has never been a time in my entire life beyond like 10 or 11 years old, and that's a story for another day, where someone asked me to do something, you know, that I did not want to do, that I did solely because I didn't want to say no or I didn't want to be looked at as different, or I didn't want to be judged, or I didn't want them to think something. I don't make life decisions that way. I don't make casual decisions that way. I don't make everyday decisions that way. I don't make friendship decisions that way. I don't make relational decisions that way. I don't make any decisions that way. And that's because I was taught at 10, 11 years old that I have the absolute right to to self-possess, to own my thoughts, to own my emotions, to own my physical space, to own my person, and we're not doing a good job of teaching people that in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We're just not doing a good job of that. Everything from sexual assault to drugs and alcohol to um, criminal activity could be greatly reduced if we could teach our children to be self-possessed. And I think that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, but it's the God's honest truth. You don't control what other people do, but I've seen so many situations, especially with our young girls, where they end up in situations where someone has taken advantage of them, and that part isn't their fault. But the story starts with things that were in their control. Their friends wanted them to go someplace they didn't even want to go. You know, they had a funny feeling, you know, their gut was telling them not to go, but they didn't want to let their friend down. You know, they didn't want to not be cool. They didn't want to be the only one not going. And then the story ends with them being taken advantage of. When had they just felt like they had the absolute right to say no, they would have never been in this situation. We had to get past that, like, I've never, never, I mean, I have friends who, why'd you give the guy your number? Well, I didn't want to be mean. I didn't want him to tell me off. What? I'm not giving you my phone number because of anything other than I want to give you my phone number. And, and that's a problem, like, we're not teaching our children, especially our young girls, that they have the absolute right to control what happens to them, where they go, what they do and how they do it, period. And that contributes to mental health. Yes, it, it. That's right. It contem- It contributes to brokenness. It contributes to most mental health issues. How depressed do you think you would be if now not only did you give your phone number to this person, but you going to marry him too? Like you just gonna do whatever he want to do? Like I, I don't understand. Where's the line? Where's the limit? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it went from his phone number now y'all married. Dick. <laughs> Mary, oh happy boy, children. you keep it, you keep it. <laughs> right and then you wake up
1: years later like what in the world did i do to myself
3: right
1: and and then you have to pick (laughs) yourself back together again and you know what and you have people who who are in situations like that repeatedly that they they go from situation to situation having to then pick up the pieces and repair themselves over and over and over again and if you're doing that, it's because you never healed the brokenness to begin with.
3: Exactly.
1: It's, it's yeah. exactly what you said before uh, when you did the analogy with the, with the shards of glass. You never sucked that glass up. That's why you keep bl- exactly. you stepping need on glass glasses. So now you got, to, you got to fix your foot over and over. <laughs> over and over mm-hmm. and over. Exactly. You know, so we don't, we don't. It's it's like sometimes the lessons, and you hear it. Now people talk the talk though. You, you see a whole bunch of beautiful mm-hmm. quotes. You see a whole bunch of beautifully written posts or, I mean, and I'm only using that because of, of social media now. So, or you, you hear a lot of pretty wow. words, but yet you see people going mm-hmm. through the exact same things over and over again because they're not really
3: listening to themselves. They're not listening to themselves and they're not even questioning what they're being taught. You know, how many times do you hear somebody say, you ever ask somebody why they do something and they tell you that's what their mama always did? Yep. I heard a preacher preach a sermon and he said, um, he said his wife uh, was making a ham, right? And um, <clears throat> she cut the ends of the ham off and put it in the pan. And he thought to himself, man, what a waste, you know, of ham. Like she cut these two big chunks of ham off and throw them in the trash? And so he asked her, you know, why do you do that? Why do you cut that off like that and throw it away? So she said, I don't know. Um, that's how my mother taught me to make it. And he's like, you never asked her why? And she was like, no. So she asked her mom, hey, mom, why do you cut this ends of the ham off, you know, and throw it in the trash? And she said, you know, I don't know that's how my mom taught me to make it. And she's like, really? Okay. So she calls the grandmother and she's like, grandma, you know, I cut the ends of the ham off and throw them away because mom taught me to do it that way. And when I asked her why, she said, you taught her to do it that way. And the grandmother said, I never taught her to do it that way. And the mother said, yes, she did. One time I was watching you make ham and I saw you do that. And so I did it. She said, Oh, That day, I didn't have a clean pan, so I just cut the ends off so it would fit in the pan that I was using. (laughs) 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 Wow. (laughs) (laughs) How many things do we do just because somebody else did it? Just because somebody taught us to do it that way? Just because we saw someone else do it that way? And we don't have the first clue that there's another way. We don't know why they're doing it that way. We don't know what it costs to do it that way. You know, we don't know what we're losing because we're doing it that way, but we're doing it that way because somebody else did it that way. And we don't ask ourselves why and we don't even ask them.
2: So we're gonna at this time go to our Sister Jay just dropped it. Shit, I think she already went over what we need to do. No, but seriously we need to we need to focus on self love self-acceptance. I'm trying to summarize a lot of what has been said, but all sums up to how we view ourselves and, and, and how we serve ourselves. Sometimes we need external stimulation. We need to be stimulated from within. I think that'll help our situation. We're so busy broken because we're trying to live a life that's not for us to live. We're trying to live the life that everyone else wants us to live. We're trying to live the life that That's prescribed, but that's not necessarily Life that. We need to live. We need to be more spiritually focused. So I challenge the listeners, be more spiritually focused. Be more self-serving spiritually. Not selfishly, but spiritually. And focus on healing those broken parts by trying to live a holistic life. Trying to be spiritual. Accept your own and be yourself. That's my challenges for today. Well,
1: thank you. And thank you, Jay Breezy. Jay, do you, hey, have... Breezy
2: it, boy.
3: <laughs> Jay, do you have anything you want thank to say? Thank y'all so much. Was... Thank y'all so much for having me. But thank you so much for having me. Hopefully I can come on again and shoot oh, with you all. And definitely. drop some jewels. And laugh a little bit. If yes, y'all have me, yes, I'll ma'am. gladly be back. Um, I always tell my ladies when i'm working with them and i always say on my um my blog site let's do before you ask god for anything thank him for everything mm. so that's how i like to go out thank mm. you
1: well thank you thank all you. for joining us for another episode of conversations with the royal empress and we'll see you next
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalimpress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization, all rights reserved.